Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Ravitz Insurance. We will talk more about Pearson Ravitz after our case. Today is round number 23 of the game, and Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the case, and he has no idea what the case is ahead of time. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had, and they are not real patients. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Put the human body on the left side of it, and let me know when you are ready. Let's do this, my friend. All right, let me get my clock ready. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You'll have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? I do not. Let's do it. All right, let's begin. Dr. Estefan, you are working at Clerkship General Hospital, and the next chart gets put in your rack. Chief complaint, high blood pressure. Okay. Um, I walk into the room. What do I see? Um, You see... uh... Older male, adult male, um, kind of looks anxious, staring at the monitor. Okay. And do we have an age on him? Um, yeah, his name is Preston Hyde, and he is 60 years old. Okay. Six zero. Um, I walk into the room. Hi, my name is Dr. Estefan. Um, I'm one of the doctors that will be taking care of you today. What brings you to the hospital today? Hey, Dr. Estefan, uh, I, my blood pressure, I, it's critical. Okay. Tell me more. I I was uh, I mean, what do you want to know? Look at it. Look at what is it right now? Uh, I don't know. Can we get an opening set of vitals? Um, sure. His heart rate is ninety. His respiratory rate is eighteen. His blood pressure is two hundred and twenty over one hundred and twenty. His O two saturation is ninety eight percent. Do we have a temperature? Ninety eight. Excellent. Okay. How how did you know your blood pressure was high? I was at the pharmacy and I saw one of those blood pressure things and at first i couldn't believe it it was in the it was it was in the red it was it goes from green to yellow to red to black and the the top number it was like really high it was like over 200 and i i went over to the pharmacist and they I, they sent me here i'm i think i'm gonna have a stroke okay are you having any symptoms right now yeah i just i don't know i i i, I don't know it's i think so i guess i just don't feel good okay all right are you having any headaches yeah i guess i am kind of having headaches okay any blurry vision? Yeah, I think so. What else is bothering you? Uh, I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? Are you having any chest pain? No, not really having any chest pain. How about trouble breathing? No. Okay. All right. Um, anything else that we didn't talk about? Any other symptoms? Any leg swelling? Uh, no, I'm not swelling. I don't know, Jack. I just don't feel good. I just feel uh, sick. Okay. All right. Um, do you have any, what medical problems do you have? Uh, none that I knew of. When's the last time you saw a doctor? I, to be honest, doc, and I don't think I've ever been to a doctor. I'm just, I'm pretty healthy. I, I don't know, but shoot, maybe I'm going to, should I have gone to a doctor? Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. Let's take care of you now. Okay. Yeah, please. Jeez. Uh, are, do you take any medications? No. Do you use any drugs? No. Okay. And do you have any allergies to medications? No. All right. Um, let's examine the patient. Um, on auscultation of his heart and lungs, what do I hear? Um, you hear a heart that is at a regular rate. It's beating regularly. You don't hear any murmurs. 
of his lungs. Uh, you don't hear any wheezes or ronchi or strider or crackles. Everything sounds symmetric. Okay. And how does he look, general appearance? Uh, again, he's just staring at the monitor. He's looking at you. He looks like he's just, I don't know, he looks freaked out. Okay. Um, lower extremities, any pitting edema or swelling? No swelling. And pupils? Uh, equal round reactive. Normal size? Yep, normal size. Okay. And let's do a full neuro exam on him. What would you like to look for? Uh, cranial nerves. Um, what would you like to look for? All the cranial nerves. Name the cranial nerve, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, cranial nerve two. What are you looking for? Can he smell an alcohol swab? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Extraocular motions. Wait, what was one? Or was that one? Uh, I, uh, crap, I forget. T- uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, just tell me what you want to check. All right, he can smell? (laughs) Yes. All right, his extraocular motions, are they intact? Yep. Okay. Does he have any facial droop? Nope. Okay. Can he puff out his cheeks well? Yes. Okay. Does he have a similar sensation to both sides of his forehead, cheek, and jawline? Yes. Okay. Is he able to stick out his tongue and wiggle it left and right? Yes. Does he have any uvular deviation? No. Uh, okay. Nice. That's a good one. How? Uh, <laughs> how is this? Uh, this is fun. <laughs> can, can he shoulder shrug? Yes. Can he hear me talk in each ear if I snap next to each ear? Uh, yes. Okay. What's his visual acuity? Uh, jeez. Um. Uh, 20, let's see, 20, 80, both eyes. Okay, sir, do you wear glasses normally? No, Doc. I think oh. I'm going to blind. I'm dying. <laughs> All right. Um, let me do a fundoscopic exam. What do his optic discs look like? You see papal edema. Ooh. Okay. Um, strength in all four extremities? Equal. Uh, pronator drift? None. Rest of your neuro exam is normal. Great. All right. Sounds good. Um, let's let's place. Uh, let's get two lines in this guy. Two large bore IVs. Um, and let's send off. Let's see. CBC, BMP. Um, he needs he needs a head CT for sure. Let's get coags as well on him. Um, and just to do all the other hypertensive emergency stuff, let's check a troponin and a chest x-ray and an EKG. All right. Let me get some of this stuff sent over to you here. All right. EKG. The nurse is working on the 12 lead right now. And it is crossing the airwaves. Nurse is working on the portable chest. All right. EKG, to my interpretation, looks like Normal sinus rhythm with a normal axis, with normal intervals, and I don't see any ischemic changes. It looks good. X-ray, what I was looking for was pulmonary edema, and I don't see any pulmonary edema. It looks like a normal chest X-ray. 
I don't see any consolidation. I don't see any pneumothorax. I don't see any wine mediastinum. It looks good. Um, all right. We should probably probably lower that blood pressure. How how long till CT? Um, he can go to. He's actually back from CT. Very efficient hospital, um, and it has no acute findings. Okay. All right. Um, so he has papilledema and he's hypertense. All right, let's bring down his pressure. So he's at two twenty systolic. Um, so we can bring that down 25%. Um, so we could bring that down about 55 points to what would be, I can't do math right now. One, 175, I think 175 is our goal. Well, if this is hypertensive emergency, he probably needs to be on a drip. Can we start a, uh, a cardipine drip on him? Okay. Uh, what would you like the rate to be? Let's call pharmacy for that. <laughs> All right. Pharmacy's like, yes, what do you got, doc? Uh, hypertensive emergency. Guy right now is 220 systolic. Um, I want to start a nicardipine drip on him. What rate would you recommend to start? Or would you recommend like a bolus and infusion dosing? No, no bolus. We'll start. We'll, get, we'll titrate it. It starts at five. Okay. Five mics, 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 whatever. I'll look it up. We'll get it. All right. Sounds good. All right. Um, I guess let me let me talk to the. Well, hmm. I guess. Ugh, do we call neurology or do we call the cardiac unit? I I think let's call both. Let's call neurology and let's actually. Does, yeah, he has a headache. Let's call neurology. Bring, bring. This is the brain doctor. Hey, um, I have a guy here who may have um, press syndrome or some other form of hypertensive emergency. Um, he's 60-year-old 60, 60 male, um, hasn't seen a doctor in years, is having headache, blurry vision, um, and his systolic is 220 over a diastolic of 120. Um, he has papilledema bilaterally with uh, poor visual acuity. He's like 2080 uh, OU. Um, so we have him currently. We did a head CT, didn't show anything. We're waiting for labs to come back. Um, we put him on a narcardipine drip for now. He definitely needs an MRI at some point. So I'd figure, I figured I'd get you guys involved. Sounds like an interesting case. We'll come down and see him. Great. Um, do I have my labs back yet? Um, yes, your CBC is normal. Anything in particular you'd like to look at? Uh, troponin. Uh, coags are fine. Troponin was negative. Creatinine. Um, BMP was normal. Creatinine is normal. Great. Okay. So I, I think this is looking to be like hypertensive emergency slash press syndrome. Um, I guess... I don't know the rules of this hospital. Does this guy need to go to like the cardiac ICU for a hypertensive drip for an anti-hypertensive drip being on an anti-hypertensive drip? Sure. All right. Let's, uh, let's call the cardiac ICU. Hey, this is ICU. What do you got? Hey, uh, we have a 60 year old male. Um, actually before I talk to them, can I repeat a set of vitals after being on the, the cardiac drip? 
Um, sure. His blood pressure is currently 180 over 100. Um, his heart rate is 70s. His respiratory rate is 18. His O2 saturation is 98% room air. Excellent. Okay. Um, hey, uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the residents in the ED. We have a hypertensive emergency I am sending to you. He came in blood pressure 220 over 120 with headache, blurry vision, um, ended up having papilledema and um, poor visual acuity on exam, CT head negative, labs negative, EKG x-ray negative. Um, <clears throat> we consulted neuro for concern for press syndrome um, versus other hypertensive emergency. We have him on a cardine drip. We brought his pressure down about 25%. He's currently 180 systolic on the cardine drip. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll we'll take him. We'll see him when he's up here. Great. Sounds good. Um, can I talk to the patient real quick before the, hopefully the case ends? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, Doc, what's going on? Am I dying? Hey, hey no, you're okay. We're, we're going to bring you into the hospital. I think you need an MRI. Um, we're, we brought oh, down no. your blood pressure, but you're going to be, you're going to be okay. You're in good hands. Good. Yeah. I'm already starting to feel much better. I don't know what you did, but I'm feeling just great. Great. Glad to hear that. All right. I, that ends your case. Before we go through how you did, I'd like to thank our sponsor for the month, Pearson Ravitz Insurance. Pearson Ravitz is my personal disability and life insurance agent. As a resident, you should be shopping for and purchasing your personal disability insurance policy. This will be the policy that you carry with you for the rest of your career, and that's going to cover you in case you get sick or injured and can't do your job anymore, specifically that you can't do emergency medicine anymore if you get the right policy. Obviously, that would be catastrophic after all this training. And that's why you want a good independent insurance agent like Pearson Rabbit says to shop around. They shop around between all the major companies for you and they get you the best deal and they go through the pros and cons of each company. The sooner that you buy this disability insurance, the less it's going to cost. Those discounts and premiums that you're paying every month are going to lock in when you're younger and healthier. And it's one of those situations where the early bird gets the worm. You will save big money long term all while protecting yourself as early as possible. So I bought this as a resident. I recommend that you do too. Get yourself protected and don't wait until it's too late. Go to www.pearsonravits.com and set up a meeting to shop and start comparing some of these policies. Get your financial stuff in order uh, before you become an attending. Do this while you're a resident. Thank you to Pearson Ravits for sponsoring this episode. Now let's wrap up our case. Mike, strong work. Strong work. I'm proud of you. Yeah. You did good. Yeah. I thought you did good. How do you think it went? I think it went well. I, I was a little nervous about missing something, but I think I think I got everything, maybe. I, you know, so I, what I wanted to do, and I've actually tried to do this before, you never fall for it. So I'm going to need to try some different tricks. I was trying to pick some, like a classic case that emergency medicine doctors really don't like dealing with. Tried to spin it off as just kind of like an asymptomatic hypertension kind of thing. They weren't fully asymptomatic, but try to make it kind of ring the bell of some of these people that come in with their high blood pressures, right? Oh, yeah. And I wanted to see if I could get you to blow them off. Because what I want you to remember is, especially on these single patient encounters for your test, you shouldn't be blowing anyone off. Never blow anyone off. They're not... I, maybe this is a thing, but I, I, I doubt this is what's going to happen. And I was told that this won't happen, where they're going to really be like testing to see, you know, oh, 
this is nothing. You can end the case early. You can just blow this patient off. Like you should never be blowing the patient off. There may, in theory, be patients that you do a whole bunch of very thorough history and exam on that maybe you end up sending home. But even that is like, you know, that shouldn't be too often. Um, you did a good job of not just being like, okay, you know, this is nothing. I'm going to counsel them and send them home. And, you know, because you can see how someone would fall into that trap and thinking that it's more of a counseling type case. Um, you just got to be really careful. And so you did a good job being really careful. Um, you are correct with your final diagnosis of hypertensive encephalopathy. And this was very early and very subtle. And I did that on purpose because obviously if they come in and just like on death's door, it's going to be pretty obvious what to do. And so um, you did great. I thought you did really good. Awesome. I appreciate that, man. Um, so you got the initial blood pressure. Um couple things to talk about so you did this was one of those examples did you use your gingerbread man i did did you so this is one of those ones where you really want to make sure you're checking everything and uh checking all your boxes you did a good job doing a thorough neuro exam um because it was hidden right in there i was like i don't know i might get them to miss papilledema because it's just one of those things that you're not routinely like walking in the room checking papilledema real quick so I wanted to see if you, if I could get you on some like more subtle exam finding, um, which I, I didn't. So that was really good. <laughs> I couldn't get you anywhere. You're, you're, you were pretty bulletproof. Um, uh, do you check papilledema much in real life? Uh, no. Um, I, <laughs> I'll be completely honest. I think it's honest. pretty difficult. Yeah. So what a couple of our attendings have panoptic, uh, fun, fundoscopes whatever you want to call them. Um, and if I'm working with one of them and there's any concern for anything, I will grab their panoptic and take a look. But I, you know, I don't, I feel like this is probably the same amongst the majority of residents and attendings, but I never got good at using the normal fundoscope to look at papilledema. I find it incredibly difficult without a panoptic. And if I'm really concerned, I will do an ocular ultrasound and I will measure the nerve, nerve sheath diameter. Good. Yeah. Um, and I, pro I probably don't do ultrasound enough for that. And I should, cause I know how I just, I agree with you. I think that this is a very difficult physical exam skill to get good at is looking at the back of an eye, especially when it's not dilated. Um, and even when it's dilated, sometimes it's tricky too. Um, I do try to do it frequently on patients and frequently I just, you know, I get part of the disc, you know, I'm like, ah, that part looked crisp. I saw a part of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's probably good. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's about as best as you can do. But especially on the, on the oral boards, like you can just say like, does the patient have papilledema? And they're going to say, you know, yes or no. And so, um, yeah, it's a very tricky skill for all the med students out there listening and, and residents. Like it is a useful, ex that is one of those useful exam things that's tricky to learn. Like if you're going to pick something up in these clinical exam courses, a lot of which is just kind of silly stuff. But I mean, if you could practice that, that's a, that's a useful skill to have. I feel like, um, if you could just look in the back of someone's eyes for papilledema, a couple other uses for it as well. Yeah. Most people cannot do a solid fundoscopic exam with a normal scope. The Ocular ultrasound, I have to give a huge plug for it here. It is so easy to do. You put a tegaderm on their eye, put a bunch of goop right on that tegaderm, and you put the linear probe on their eye, um, and the the structures look amazing. Like It's obvious what is what when you're looking at an ocular ultrasound. You see the entire globe. You can see the nerve sheath, and the way to remember the correct diameter for the nerve sheath, it's the same as an index card, three by five. 
So you look three millimeters back from the posterior aspect of the globe and you measure horizontally. And if that's five millimeters or less, that's normal. If it's greater than five millimeters, that is abnormal. And that is papilledema until proven otherwise. I think it takes three minutes. It's super easy. Um, That's what I do 90% of the time if I'm concerned for something like um, IIH or pseudotumor or anything else like blurry vision, poor visual acuity. I always check. I, I agree. I agree. The only, and my only caveat that I'll put on there, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like sometimes it's a little bit tricky figuring out where exactly that nerve sheath, where you're supposed to measure on it. It's not exactly like crisp, like, uh, like, a a soft tissue line on a, a soft tissue ultrasound or something where you're like, Oh, there's that line and that line. It's not as crisp as an aorta. I feel like frequently it's a little harder to measure. Eh, is it kind of there or there? And it puts you over or under. And also the exact measurements you're talking with sensitivities and specificities. You don't necessarily have acute papilla even just cause it's past a certain number. I don't think, you know, I think there's a range of normal there, obviously. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's not always, it's not always as easy as it sounds. It's really easy to get the picture. Um, and it's really nice when it's obviously normal, but I feel like sometimes it gets a little blurry, <laughs> but a ching. See what I did there. Yeah, That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> Dad joke. Um, the other thing that I wanted to torment you on, and this was just more of, um, this is something that emergency medicine doctors and careful in general need to be careful with. So I listened a lot, I listened to a lot of this other podcast about risk management and, um, these canned sort of notes in the chart, these canned exams, oh, cranial nerves intact, all that kind of stuff. You got to be a little careful with that. And so usually what will happen, let's say you went to court for this case, Mike, and um, you had alert and oriented times four, cranial nerves two through 12 intact, moving all four extremities as your neuro exam. Um, hopefully your neuro exam is better than that. You had a very good neuro exam. But they're, they're going to, on the stand, they'd be like, all right, um, will you please go through the branches of cranial nerve, you know, three real quick for us, <laughs> just for the jury's sake, so we can understand all the things that you checked. <laughs> you just go, oh, God. <laughs> and it's like they do that all the time. And, and, you know, you have to be very careful. Generally with your exam, it's better to say the specific things that you check um, than just cranial nerves intact. If you say cranial nerves intact, when I look at those charts, like on peer review and stuff, I, I feel like, oh, that person probably didn't check too much. They certainly didn't check all cranial nerves two through 12. And um, unless they can name them all to me, which they never can, <laughs> you know, not that I actually have never asked anyone that, but I, I feel like most people won't be able to. I certainly can't. Um, but it looks like a nice throw note when you say uh, their smile is symmetric, their tongue and uvula is mid, you know, and you, you write out all the things that you checked it tends to look a little better. That was the only reason I made you draw it out there. I wasn't going to let you get off the hook easy. Um, but <laughs> does the patient smell okay? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cranial nerve one is the olfactory nerve. Cranial nerve two is the uh, visual acuity, right? Control sensation, sensation of light. Yeah. So yeah. I, I totally, I, I looked those up after the case, totally mixed those up, but I think everything else that I said during the case was correct. Well, and you, you learn all this stuff in medical school and it's funny how much of it, some of it you don't, you don't actually necessarily use as much, right? You're doing things that you can, like, I'm not checking, routinely checking visual acuity on like a stroke alert, right? You're just like, 
looking at their eyes and doing pupils and extracting their movements. And so you have to, you just have to be careful with what you write. And that was the only reason I did all of that because I was already annoyed that you, you weren't just blowing the patient off. So I wanted to just see if I could get you, yeah. but you kept going down and you got all the way into looking in the eyes for papilledema. And so I thought that was pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else you missed. Um, I actually looked this up. I, I studied a little bit about hypertensive encephalopathy in the, in writing this case and it can start off kind of subtle. You know, I think you have to be really careful um, calling something asymptomatic hypertension if the patient has any symptoms at all. Um, frequently, patients with high blood pressure will feel it. I, you know, I, and just in my experience, to say like, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I guess maybe I haven't been having some headaches or I don't know. I just don't feel right. But, but I think you have to be really careful. Like you reach, like I do a lot of reassurance with these patients. Like, oh wow, your number really is high. This is very concerning. We're gonna get some labs and make sure everything's okay. We're really going to get you checked out. And then I do my thorough neuro exam and I hit them with my reflex hammer and all that stuff. Like, I don't see any signs of stroke. So that's really good. I try to reassure them a lot, reassess them in 30 minutes when some stuff comes back, if I'm kind of borderline. And a lot of times I kind of normalize on its own and I'll be like, how are you feeling? They're just like, I feel great. I, you know, I feel so much better just from sitting there. Then that's not hypertensive encephalopathy, right? Their pressure's coming down. They're not having headaches. They're not vomiting. But I think you have to be really careful if they're like, I don't know, it's just so high. And you have to be careful with those subtle symptoms on this. I think EM doctors have a tendency to blow off hypertension. Um, and everyone else has a tendency to overreact to it. <laughs> I could not agree enough with you. Um, I, I, I think that's, you know, probably one of the best ways to approach asymptomatic hypertension in the emergency room is, you know, tons and tons and tons of reassurance. And sometimes, you know, even if it's not that high, some therapeutic lab work does wonders for patients, you know. And I'll go through, because um, I'll do the deep dive later this month, and I'll go through some of this. Really, there's not in someone who's truly asymptomatic with high blood pressure, you don't need an EKG. You don't need anything. Like you actually don't need anything. There's, you literally aren't, you don't have to do anything, but I feel like there is some therapeutic blood work. I feel like there is a therapeutic, therapeutic, really thorough exam just over and above on the neuro. So you can tell the patient like, listen, you know, this blood pressure is really high, dangerously high, but you're not having a stroke right now. You know, I think things like that go a long ways to validate them, reassure them. And they tend to normalize a little bit on their own and break out of that, blood pressure cycle. Um, anyways, we'll talk more about that later in the month. Um, as, as we talk about, uh, asymptomatic hypertension. And the only other thing I will say is, um, you want to make sure you have a good exam on the chart. If you're not doing any tests, yeah, in general, you want to make sure you really checked everything. And, um, yeah, we'll talk more about it later this month. All right. Sounds good. Well, the critical actions were rechecking the blood pressure. That's another thing. Don't forget to recheck vitals after you do an intervention. You did do that. You almost didn't. Um, that frequently rechecking those vitals and saying, can I get another set of vitals on the test? That's never going to hurt you. It only helps. Um, doing a thorough neuroexamination, which you did, uh, starting, I wanted you to do a nicardipine drip. You did a nicardipine drip. So apparently we're on the same page on what drip to use between our two hospitals. That's interesting. And admit to the ICU, which you got. So you nailed it. You passed the case. You have gotten a very good score, I think, on this. Um, good job. Proud of you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Learning from the best. Residency going okay? Um, residency's going great. You're, you're, you're wrapping up. You're in the final stretch. I'm going to have to stop giving you easy cases.
Yeah, man. I am one week into third year. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm one week into third year now. Um, I had a shift on the first day of intern work day, basically. Um, so it was me and two brand new interns, and that was really fun. Um, you really, really get some perspective on that first day when you realize that that was you two years ago, and now you're you're almost running the show. You're not quite there yet, but um, yeah. I it's, remember what you were like when you started as a little a young gun. Oh man, it, it's exciting to see the growth. <laughs> it happens you're quickly. Sharp, you're man. getting smart, man. It's crazy how fast you learn. It's amazing what you learn in two years of working constantly and studying constantly. So. Yeah, yeah. It's but otherwise, you know, it's good. I, I'm starting off on a teach rotation, which I'm super excited about. I have a shift later this afternoon. Basically, I just show up. I'm an extra set of hands for procedures, so I'll like help the interns, supervise them do procedures. But my main role is just teaching med students in the ER for an entire shift, and I'm super, super stoked for this rotation. It's probably my favorite. We had it last year too, and it was excellent. That's fun, man. I always enjoyed those rotations too. I I didn't do anything clinical. I like kind of was um, so I do the teaching rotations and I'd take them in like a room. And I'd say, all right, at the end of today, you're going to know how to read EKGs really, really well. And we do eight hours of EKGs out of uh, the book Emergency or wait, which EKG was the book? Um, EKGs for the emergency physician. And I'd say, these are the things you're going to tell me. We just start going through it. We'd get through it. I mean, in eight hours, I mean, they're they're hating me at that point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we went through so many EKGs. And we were do- they were doing like Scarbosa. Like they were so good. Just oh my like, God. nope, you missed this. Look at that ST segment. This is how you measure it. And we'd look at like 100 EKGs right out of the book with classic examples and stuff. And they were so good by the end. And they it wasn't like an exciting EM shift. But then they were able to like read EKGs really well. That's, so, I, I would have, I would have appreciated that as a student, as much as I would have hated was, you afterwards, but yeah, I mean, it was just eight hours of, all right, here's the book. We're going to go through literally all of these. These are the three things I want you to tell me on every EKG go <laughs> and be like, uh, normal science rhythm. Like, nope. And you know, you just, and every time you give the feedback and you correct and you show them to the next EKG, you say go and you just keep hammering them with them. And by the end, they're so good reading like EKGs better than attendings. Like because you get through this whole book. I mean, they were just so good. It was so fun to see that in just like one shift. I was like, there you go. You actually learned something today. <laughs> That's like actually so. awesome. I, I may try to steer away from patient care and do something similar for a couple hours on my shift. I, yeah, I think I got some weird glances because I'd just be sitting in the corner, you know. But by the end, I'd be like, go read all of your attendings EKGs. And they're just like, all right, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> That's Anyways. great. All I, right. Well, or what were you going to say? I was just going to say, how how is uh, attending life going right now? Oh, it's so we're, we're pretty busy at work. So we're pre COVID volumes. Everywhere is, is hopping. Um, very busy. I've been working a lot on my, so like last year I worked a lot on patient satisfaction stuff and figuring how, you know, kind of what makes patients tick and figuring out how to make them like me. And I actually had a lot of success with that. I was able to go from like, there was one month where I had a whole bunch of patient complaints. I'm not surprised. And I was able to get it up. Um, I think out of like, <laughs> out of like the things <laughs> out of like the 50 or so, like forms I had had in the quarter. I think only one of them wasn't, you know, top tier. And this is at a hospital with like long wait times and stuff. Um, so, you know, just kind of learning how to master that. Uh-huh. 
without impacting patient care negatively. Um, something that's very interesting. So I did all that last year. This year I've shifted and I'm more focused on trying to figure out like flow and efficiency. And, you know, like I told you yesterday, Mike, I saw 29 people in seven and a half hours. And um, it was, you know, you had to know how to move and kind of manage things and you have to decide who's going to wait a little bit and stuff. And so learning how to be very efficient um, is something I've been working on this year. And um, there's always stuff to learn. There's always stuff to learn. But um, yeah, no, it's going well. I, I love being, I love emergency medicine still. I'm still, I'm still into it. So you're uh, not yeah. burnt out yet. Not burnout yet. Nope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, everybody. Well, that wraps up the episode. Again, don't forget to check out our sponsor, Pearson Rabbits, at www.pearsonrabbits.com. Um, you can go ahead and send us emails, Mike and Zach, at emclerkship.com. Um, we have our own individual email that we can respond to you with. And uh, I'll talk to you again later in this month about some hypertension stuff. It should be good. So uh, until next time, keep working hard, keep studying. And be sure to enjoy your shift.